So today, I want us to take a dangerous look in the mirror because we can't really begin to become who we are called to be, who we were made to be, who we want to be until we can see ourselves for who we are right now. You see, change happens when we begin to recognize in ourselves something that we don't want to be there. When we begin to realize the brokenness, when we begin to realize the fear, when we begin to realize the the residual effects of racism, when we begin to to realize the, the subtle ways that fear or insecurity or hatred or anger have lingered in our own hearts and souls. And when we take that dangerous look in the mirror and we ask God to show us our hearts, to help us to see what's there, then we can begin to allow him to really deal with those things. And we can begin to see change. We can begin to move from where we are to who we were created to be. It all begins with a dangerous look in the mirror. Now, the, the reality is that none of us ever really see ourselves. We will go our whole life without seeing ourselves. We look in a mirror and it's kind of this flat two-dimensional version in reverse of us. We look at pictures and again, they're, they're flat. We can even watch video, but we'll never really see ourselves. We, we look at ourselves through the, the lens of how we imagine ourselves. And other people look at us through the lens of how they imagine themselves. And so we can, we see this sometimes in, in maybe how we receive compliments. When someone says, oh, you look, you look really nice today. And like, oh, you know, this, not, eh, tell me again. <laughs> because we, we almost want them to convince us of how they see us and how we see ourselves. It can be hard to really honestly take a look at ourselves, but there is a part of us that no one else sees. There is a part of us that no one else has access to. No one else can can get into our hearts and our minds. We have this unique internal view of our lives, of our minds. Only us and God can trace the track of our thoughts. Only us and God can see how we are allowing negativity or fear or, or, or insecurity to guide the way we think and color the way we see everything. And so we need God's help. We need him to help us because when our thoughts change, when our minds change, then our lives change. That when our, that when our minds change, our actions change. If we go to the Bible, if we go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, then we read these words in the the ICB version. It reads this way, do not be shaped by this world. Now, if you're reading in, in the NIV or maybe a more familiar version, it might say, don't be conformed to this world. But he's telling us, do not be shaped by this world. Instead, instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. And you'll be able to know what is good and pleasing to God and what 
is perfect. (laughs) Be changed within by a new way of thinking. Have you ever tried to change but not been able to? Have you spent years on the the weight roller coaster up and down and up and down? Have you have you spent years trying to develop and and maybe uh, your ability to connect through relationships, but just been stuck in a cycle of not really being able to change? Or maybe you wanted to be more outgoing, or maybe you wanted to read more. Maybe you wanted to start flossing every day. Whatever it was, have you ever felt trapped? in your own body. You really wanted to change. You really wanted to to have control over your anger. You really wanted to be able to reach out to your neighbor. You really wanted to be able to step toward someone you don't know in grace and mercy. You really wanted to have the courage to go after that job or the, the discipline to live a healthy lifestyle, but you just felt trapped. Have you ever felt trapped in your own thoughts and and in your own minds and and you've tried to change but you've not been able to? Sometimes what we try to do is change our environments thinking that if we get ourselves into a different environment, then, then we'll change too. And so we jump from job to job to job to job and we think it's the, the job that's making us this, this way. Or we'll change churches and we'll go to this church and we'll go to that church and we'll go to that church because we thought maybe it was those people that were making us this way. Or we, we move from town to town to town thinking that if we could just get a new environment, then we would be different. We'd be able to, to start over. The problem is everywhere we go, there we are. And we're that same person, unchanged, trapped, And then we come to this verse. We come to the words of Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and we hear it's really possible to change. It's really possible to change, that we don't have to conform to the patterns of this world anymore, that we can change. We don't have to be shaped by this world, that there is a possibility of change that begins in our minds. It's kind of wild. We spend, I won't ask you how much, you're on the other side of a screen and couldn't tell me anyway, but uh, we spend lots of time and energy and money trying to change our bodies. Something that is in perpetual decay and we allow our minds to go into neutral and drift without any direction or effort. What if we spent the same effort, the same energy on changing our minds, that part of us that can continue to grow and shapes every other part of who we are? The problem is real change is is hard. Real change is hard. Maybe Maybe you've noticed Maybe you've noticed that, that through the course of being on video and in this quarantine that I've worn some kind of jacket or, or extra shirt over every week. You've noticed that I've worn black every week. It's because it's easier to look thin to, than it is to be thin, especially when you're trapped in your house with all the cookies and chips and pizza that you can shove down your pile. Right? Like it's just easier to look thinner than it is to be healthy. 
And so we do that in all kinds of areas of our lives. That's why we put so much energy and money into changing our bodies instead of changing our minds, because it's easier to look like we've changed than to actually change. You see, at the core reality is that we are in a battle and every battle by nature is a struggle. It is a fight. And if we're going to see transformation in our lives, transformation that begins within and comes out, if we're going to see transformation in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our families, in our nation, it begins when we begin to win the battle for our minds. When we actually change, then that the systems around us can begin to change. We have to change. We have to stop being shaped by this world. We have to stop letting the pattern of this world guide us. Well, what does that mean? What does it look like? Well, here's just a, a simple version, right? Like this is what happens to us. We try to be unique, especially as teenagers. We try really hard. We're going to be unique. And somehow in our efforts to be unique, we're like everyone else. We conform to the pattern. And I think that, I think that God gave us the Ten Commandments to kind of reveal the pattern of this world, whether we, whether we realize it or not. So I just want you to kind of think to yourself. And maybe you want to have the courage to raise your hand right there in your own living room or in your car or, or, or in your, on your lunch break, wherever you're watching this today. And just kind of be honest with yourself. Let's think about the Ten Commandments. Let's, let's start with an easy, simple one. Have you ever lied? Have you ever lied? Maybe if you're watching with your family, you can look around. There might be one of you who is saying, nope, and you just lied. We realize that we've all conformed to this pattern. It is a uniqueness. We stand out in the world when we are people of truth because it's easier to lie. It's easier to hide behind lies. It's easier to pretend than it is to be real. Let's try another one. Have you ever stolen anything? Now, let me, let me qualify this. Let me describe it. Have you ever maybe taken a towel from the hotel? What about, what about stolen the pen that uh, the waiter loaned you to sign that check? got out to your car and didn't realize it, but you were also weren't going back in. Maybe, maybe another one. We're not, have you ever stolen, have you, have you ever stolen someone else's girlfriend or, or a cookie? Kids, you stolen that cookie when mom told you not to? Come on, let's be honest. We all conform to this pattern. I won't, I won't continue down this but the, the questions, no more questions, no more. We're not going to talk about lust or hate or, or wanting what others have or murder. There are all kinds of ways that we come, become complicit in the patterns of this world. We let the, the way of the world shape us. We need, we need a power beyond ourselves to help us be nonconformist. Can I tell you when I probably fell most in love with the gospel, most in love with the kingdom of God, most in love with the way of Jesus, the moment I realized how rebellious it was 
to be a Jesus follower. That's when I fell in love with the gospel. I love being a nonconformist. I love not looking like a pastor or talking like a pastor. I love the shock that sometimes people find in their faces that I find in their faces when they realize what I do. There is this beauty for me in, in standing up and rebelling against the powers of this world. It is something remarkable that just gets my blood flowing and makes me want to fight when I realize that we as followers of Jesus, we are called to rebel. We rebel against the powers of this world that hold people down and marginalize people because of their gender or their economic background or their race. We stand up against the powers that push and and, and give people less value than what God gives them. We stand up when our culture tells us that you're only valuable when you can produce something of value. We stand up in a culture that says that a fetus can be wiped out and eliminated because they can't see them as human beings yet. We stand up when, when a culture tells us that women deserve less pay or are second-class citizens or can't stand and speak the word of God as God has called them to. We stand up and rebel against the powers of this world that dehumanize us and devalue us and keep us from being who we were created to be, not just as individual human beings, but as humanity. We stand up and fight. We fight for the dream that Jesus had for humanity as he gave us back to one another. He broke down every barrier that divides us, everything that keeps us from being together. He then brings us to one another and calls us brother and sister. We are one. And that is rebellious. That is nonconformist. But we need some power outside of us if we're going to break the patterns of this world and gain mastery over our minds. And then there's this great benefit. We'll begin to know what God wants of us. We'll know the will of God, what is perfect. Maybe if you're like me, you have prayed a prayer that really was, God, make me a puppet. God, take control of my life. God, tell me exactly what to do every time and I'll do it. And we want him to control and take that that initiative and we want him to then just kind of pull the strings and guide every decision of our life so we don't have to decide this responsibility of being human just seems to be a bit much. We'd rather him just take out our minds, put in his, and tell us what to do instead of actually take mastery of our minds. But he's called us. He's called us to take mastery of our minds. Do you know there are people who are known as super tasters? These are people who can who can taste a food and identify all of the subtleties. They can notice all of the, the subtle flavorings in a glass of wine or in a, and they can notice all of the, the wonderful flavor of a better cut of beef or, or they can notice the, the, the subtleties in the, the grapes that are grown in different places. And we who, who maybe are more the trash eaters, you know, 
We're the ones who just eat whatever, right? Like we can, we can go down the street and there's a dozen places to drive through. Like if you're not sure what I mean by trash eating, there's a drive through. That's probably it. Uh, and so there is this difference. And I'm, and I'm kind of okay, right? Like I am okay being a trash eater. Like I don't have to be the kind of person who can, who, who's a super taster. You know, there's also people like there are people who are, who have perfect pitch. They have the ability to hear and replicate sounds in, in perfect pitch and create harmony and, and, and sing in melody and, and play an instrument and, and tune it just perfectly. And then there are people who are tone deaf. It's a, it's a little embarrassing to admit, but I fall into the category of, of tone deaf, or at least very close to it. There was once when I was, when my, my children were young, Sophie was very young, and I was, I was singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and she looked at me and said, what are you singing? And she actually took her finger and held it up to my lips to get me to stop singing. <laughs> One time I was making Noah breakfast and singing, and, and he shouts from the next room, hey, Dad, can you stop singing? God gifted you to preach, but not to sing. <laughs> it even goes back to when Anita and I first started dating. She would just smile and, and even chuckle a little bit as she held my hand beside me in worship. And I asked her, what are you laughing about? She says, oh, I just love the way you worship. Later, I found out she was laughing at how badly that I was singing the songs. It makes me a little, little insecure, but but I can deal with it. I stand up on the front row so there's nobody in front of me and I can sing and shout my praises in my tone deaf way. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. Do you know what I wouldn't be okay with? Never being able to see the world as God sees it. Always seeing the worst. Always believing the worst. What I need to, to, to be able to survive what I need to be who I was created to be is an ability to see the world through God's eyes. The God who said that we need more colors than just a few. The God who, who, who took joy in giving each bird its own song. The God who had the creativity to make something like a hippopotamus and a giraffe and a dung beetle. Like I, I, I need to be able to see the goodness in the world the way that the creator did when he, he finished each day and said, this, this is good. I need to be able to look into the eyes of every person I meet, regardless of gender or race or, or sexuality. I need to be able to look into the eyes of every person and see the spark of the divine, to see them as one that God made. Without that, I can't be who I am supposed to be. I can be tone deaf and I'm okay being a trash eater, but the truth is I need to see as Christ sees. I need him to, to change my mind. I need him to change the way I think. I need to be able to return to him. There's a, a Greek word that kind of defines this returning, this change of our sight. It's metanoia, metanoia. And, and, and it's kind of minor uses. It means feeling bad for something bad we've done. And it's more major uses. It has the language of returning, that we were born facing God, facing the light, 
but that along the way we turn our backs on him and we no longer see him. All we see is darkness because when the light's behind you, it casts a shadow and you see the darkness, you see the brokenness and metanoia is to turn. It is to return back toward God to begin to see him and then to begin to see him in everything around us, to see him at work in creation, to see him at work in those around us, to see him in the eyes of every person that we meet. It's kind of kind of wild, this word, if you break it down, meta. Maybe you've heard this metaphysics, this beyond, this bigger than, this, this beyond way of thinking and talking. And then noia means to think. And we need a beyond way of thinking. You see, when our thinking departs from God, and we no longer have his perspective, we no longer see beauty. We no longer see joy. We no longer see hope. We no longer look at one another and see brothers and sisters. We no longer look on the world with love. We look on the world with fear. We look on the world as something to be dominated and controlled. We look at others as someone to be used or to fear. And we need to metanoia. We need a new way of thinking, a beyond way of thinking, a God way of thinking. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we find these words in 1 Corinthians 10, beginning at verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're not weapons of power and manipulation and control and violence. On the contrary, we have the divine power to demolish Strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We are in a battle, but we have within Christ the power to defeat every stronghold, every stronghold that has been built up into our minds over years of lies and misunderstandings and falsities. We have the ability to begin to take captive every thought. <laughs> now, I don't, this seems a little crazy to me. My mind has the tendency to run a thousand directions all at once. Half the time I can be standing here preaching a message and also having thoughts about something else going on in my brain. And I Taking every thought captive seems impossible. I mean, how many thoughts are you having right now? And there's such a thought here about what you're going to eat later, or how comfortable this is, or how long the sermon is, or, or the quality of the video, or any number of things. And the mind is going and going. And how do we take all of these thoughts and make them captive? We can't chase after every one. Instead, we create a, a funnel for them all to flow through. We create a funnel at the base, a mindset, a way of thinking that directs every thought. A mindset of Christ. Have you ever heard of SSP? 
It's selective sensory perception. Selective sensory perception. It's, it's why you see... It's why you see the same model vehicle you just bought everywhere you look all of a sudden when you've never noticed them before. It's, it's the part of your brain that takes in information and decides what's important and what's not. Otherwise, we would just be frozen in this constant kind of observation of everything around us. Let me, let me give an example of, uh, of maybe uh, of SSP at work. Have you ever been hit in the face by a ball? I've been hit in the face by a ball, played basketball growing up, played soccer growing up, and, and I've been hit smack in the face. Eyes watering, nose bleeding, the whole thing. And I bet when you got hit in the face with a ball, it happened, it came from the same place that the ball that hit me came from. It came out of nowhere. It wasn't there, and then it was there, right in front of me. It's sensory perception at work, this selective sensory perception. Somewhere along the way, your brain decided that that ball wasn't important enough to notice until it hit you right in the face. Our brains have the ability to do this, but they, they can also be trained to do this. And we do that. We train our brains through our negativity. And because of, of that, our, our selective sensory perception will only notice negative and never see the things that are positive or good going on in our world. Or it can happen to, to those of us who live by fear. and We only see dozens and dozens and dozens of reasons to be afraid and never see the reasons to have hope or courage. It, it happens to us if we believe that we can't trust anyone, then we never see those who are proving themselves faithful and serving and working alongside of us and believing in us. If we believe that we are unlovable, then we won't see the people who come to our aid, who show us love, who embrace us and help us. We believe we're no good. We'll see all of the reasons to believe that we're no good. Our brains will filter out what we need. It even happens when it comes to race. We look and we see reasons to reinforce the things that we heard or believed or taught growing up about people of another race. What about God? If we believe there's no God, then our brains will only create and see reasons to reinforce that belief. We have to take every thought captive. We have to evaluate our thoughts and surrender them to the gaze of Jesus and replace any unloving thought with what Jesus thinks. I want to take us to one more place in Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your phone, you can look that up. It's in Philippians. Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. And there we find these words written by the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. 
but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Our understanding, you see, our understanding limits our peace. We need a peace that will surpass our understanding. When we look at the world and we filter it only through our thoughts and only through the way we think, then we lose our peace. But when we begin to see things from God's perspective, when we begin to allow him to change our minds, to change the way we think, then we begin to discover peace. The ICB puts it that when we discover this peace, we're held in safe union with Christ. Safe union with Christ. So many of our thoughts and our actions are driven by fear because we feel unsafe in some way. We feel unsafe to be vulnerable, to be open, to be kind, to be helping, to serve others, to raise others up. We have to be able to see as Christ sees. And then we will discover peace and safety. When our minds are bound with fear and failure and despair and anxiety, it's because we're not seeing from God's perspective and we're forfeiting that peace that he would give us. So what do we need to do? We need to do what Paul suggests. In verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4, he says this, Finally, brothers, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Every battle that we face is won or lost in our minds. We train our minds to see what we're looking for. And we need to begin to train our minds by thinking about, by focusing on, by developing an attention to things that are lovely and good and pure and worthy of praise and worthy of celebration and excellence. We need to fuel our thoughts so that we can demolish the lies that come up against us. We'll always have to battle within our minds. But I want to remind you as I, as I begin to close this message of the truth, I want you to hear what is true about you, regardless of where you were born, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of your gender, regardless of what anyone else has ever labeled you. Hear what God believes. God has created you. From the beginning, he has created you. He knew you in your mother's womb and he loved you. He created you to be an object of his love. He created you with purpose and meaning and intentionality. He has stuffed you full of strengths. And as you have come to him, he has given you gifts in his spirit for the good of those around us. You are given in your very birth a purpose to do something significant, to do something that matters in the world. You are valued and you are important. And every voice that speaks anything other than this is a voice of lies. It is a voice of untruth. And we have to take those thoughts captive and surrender them to God. It's time 
It's time for us to renew our minds, to allow our thoughts, our thinking to be changed and change us from within. We need him to teach us to think in our minds, to know in our minds, to act through the, the, the truth of that thinking with a love for God, a love for others, a love for our neighbor. We need to begin to allow him to shape our thinking and define our thinking and our motivation with love. We need to allow love to guide us in the mastery of our minds. A love for God, a love for ourselves, and a love for our neighbor, every neighbor, every neighbor, every time. Some of us, we have been fighting this battle in our minds alone. And it's time to stop fighting alone. It's time to, to metanoia. It's time to return to a gaze upon Jesus and allow him to fill our hearts and our minds with peace. Allow him to train us to see what is lovely and good and pure and praiseworthy and excellence and worthy of our effort and our time and our belief and our thoughts. It's time to turn back to Jesus. Wherever you are, I want to invite you to turn back to Jesus, to see Jesus as the one who has given everything to help you win this battle, to win this battle for peace and joy and love, to help you be a part of the victory in this battle that's not just for your soul, but for the soul of all humanity by the mastery of our minds. It's where it begins. As I pray, I encourage you to speak to him in your own heart and mind, to surrender your thoughts, to invite him into that battle, to invite him to guide you through his word, and through a relationship with him, through your connection to others, by shifting your thoughts to what is true and good. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we recognize all of the lies that we have allowed to infiltrate our hearts and minds. We recognize the ways that we have allowed this world to shape us. We've conformed to the patterns of this world, and we need you to set us free. We need another way. We need you to do a work in our minds that transforms every part of our lives. We fought this battle alone for too long. We need your help. So we ask now that you would come and that you would do a work in our hearts and in our minds, that you would forgive us for the ways that we have thought about you, the ways that we have thought about ourselves, the ways that we have thought about our neighbors and those in our community and those in our world who are different than us. And we ask that you would shift our thinking, that you would shape our thinking through a filter of the love of Jesus that every thought would be taken captive and surrendered to the love of Jesus until every thought and action that, that is a part of our lives is marked and shaped and defined by your love and your love alone. Day by day, we surrender and we choose to fight this fight alongside of you instead of our on our own. We realize that it won't come easy, that it is only by struggle, by a determination, that we overcome the lies and we take mastery of our minds.
Would you help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.